Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. My days working, taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out Care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep. Talking Bills all year long because it's always game day in Buffalo. It is always game day in Buffalo. It feels like that because Bills fans are so tuned in and so dialed in to what's happening with their football team. And now we're getting to crunch time. Sal Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550. Matt Bove, WKBW TV Channel 7 Sports Director in Buffalo. Matt, a uh, really just a domination from the Bills against the Denver Broncos on Saturday, man. And then you get to kind of look back on Sunday and think about, man, this team is just really, really good. Well, to me, I think the biggest takeaway was the depth. And if I was watching that game from a Broncos standpoint, I think I would be a little bit concerned. And I know that the Bills starters played and the Broncos starters didn't, but the Bills starters played for two series. Yeah. Even if you take those two series out of it, and wipe off those 14 points, the Bills still just absolutely dominate this game. So the biggest takeaway for me is that if there are injuries, and of course you want to avoid those at all costs, but if there are injuries to the Bills, I feel like they've got some pretty strong depth. Now that's not completely across the board. There's positions that are stronger than other positions, but when you see their depth players go against other depth players, I think it's kind of eye-opening, and that also goes back to the first preseason game because the Bills started slow in that yes. game, kind of a role reversal when their depth players were going up against the Colts starters, but then once their second and third team were able to go against other backups, they kind of ran away with the game. So to me, two games into the preseason, I think maybe the Bills have some better depth than we give them credit for. So those are my big takeaways. And the maybe the biggest thing of all is no major injuries. That was my biggest thing. We both talked on the last episode of the podcast. I wouldn't have let Josh played, but I guess if you can see what you need to see in three throws and six plays, then every it's a win-win for everybody, I guess. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it goes back to and kind of bolsters my kind of theory of why the Bills have won now 10 straight preseason games. It's because preseason is about your backups, really. And they have much better backups down their roster. So as you get late in games, especially these close games and comebacks we've seen over the years from them, they just have more guys to be able to do that in those situations than most teams. The only like downside. Of, it's so weird to say it like this, right? Like I'm thinking back and I'm like, I mean, they dominated them, mm-hmm. but in a way you almost like, it's hard to evaluate when there's so much better, right? Isn't it hard to kind of evaluate and pick apart guys when everything's rolling and everybody just seems so much better than their opponent? Yeah. I think I actually learned more from the game against the Colts than I did right. from the game against the Broncos just right. because they just were on cruise control, really from the start of the game till the end of the game. Every unit kind of did what you expected them to do. It's such like a commonly used cliche in whether it's TV or in radio or whatever it is, the more questions than answers. But I kind of left the game with 
more questions about how the 53 is going to ultimately be pieced together and not really questions about how good or how deep the bills are because we knew that going in. And then we were reminded of that after just a quarter of football, we saw Josh Allen just look like a freak of nature throwing 40 yards off of his back foot with ease. We saw Stefan Diggs make some plays. We saw all of the running backs look good and all of these different layers of people who look good make those decisions become that much harder because you're going to have to let people go. You're going to have to cut players who probably would make almost every other 53 around the NFL. So Matt and I are actually going to have our own 53-man roster projections during this particular podcast on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. And we welcome you to download it, as always. Listen however you can, but please subscribe. Give us a subscribe, a subscription, if you will. It's free, right? I mean, why not? And as soon as we uh, have a new one, it just pops up into your podcast app, your browser, however you pod. It's right there. It's Apple iTunes. It's Spotify. It's all of our Odyssey platforms. We're going to be doing it throughout the regular season a couple times a week. We're going to get one in this week before the next game in Carolina because it's such a quick turnaround, so a little chance for us to digest everything. Then we'll give you a couple before the Bills you know, get back on the road for their week one game against the Rams. But in this podcast, we are actually going to give our own 53-man roster projection. And you go back to Saturday, 42-15 to 15 over the Denver Broncos. So after every game, Matt, I do an arrow up, arrow down column at WGR550.com. You know, everybody's got their own kind of what went right, what went wrong kind of thing, who looked good, who looked bad. That's mine. We did arrow up, arrow down ourselves, you know, from the uh, training camp earlier. I had a tough time with arrow down. Was there anything yeah. that wasn't good? I, the only thing I could come up with was kit coverage. And then some people suggested me tackling, which I agree with was good. I, I gave that one, but I couldn't think of many. It was hard because there was so much that went right in this game. A little, it's nitpicky stuff. Right. And the fact that we're even talking about some of these things is probably indicative of just how good they looked and how much of just a steamroll it was. I, I mean, I guess... Kyer Elam, we've talked about some problems being a little bit too handsy and whether yeah. they're going to lean on him. And he had another penalty on a play where they could have probably called multiple penalties. So maybe that was something that I would point to. Uh, arrow down to Sean McDermott for letting Matt Hawk be the one punt, not Matt Ariza be the one punt. Like, come on, dude. I want to see Matt Ariza if I'm there. So, I mean, I would say maybe those things. I would have said on that first drive of the game against the Broncos, I guess, primary backups the bills defense had some tackling issues that was a bit concerning but even though it was the starters it was the starters without a lot of the guys who will start so you kind of take that with a grain of salt and then yeah i mean the special teams coverage wasn't great but what would you expect without saran without mm-hmm. taiwan without medikevich so like i guess that also kind of comes with the terror i mean it's way more arrows up than arrows down after saturday Yeah, and as far as the first defense and tackling, it was an arrow down. It was not very good. I mean, there's no sugarcoating that. It's also kind of the first time that that group is tackling live in a setting like that. Throughout training camp, they do up thud. It's very rare they actually tackle live to the ground. And even when they do it in training camp, you know, they're the starters. They're not trying to hurt themselves or their teammates, right? I mean, they're they're not the saying that they're going light necessarily, but they're trying to be as careful as possible in those situations. So, you know, now they're doing this in a live situation. I thought it got better as the game went on. But really, I mean, Matt, I think as, as much as like the defense did look r- good, obviously, against the Broncos backups, it didn't matter if it was the Bills starters or the Bills backups on offense. It was absolutely incredible. I thought the offensive line was just amazing dominant the whole game. I think Aaron Cromer's done a phenomenal job with this group. And you look at the offense overall. I mean, they had over 500 yards 
over 300. I think it's 333, I believe, in the first half. And the quarterback stats, let me just throw this out to everybody. It's stupid. 26 of 29. That's close to 90%, 89.6. 302 yards, two touchdowns, no no interceptions. 90% from the three guys combined. Case Keenum had fewer incomplete passes this week than turnovers he had last week. That's amazing. He had three turnovers in the first game, and everybody, you know, this guy is falling. Is this guy even the backup quarterback? And then he had two incomplete passes in the first half of this game. So the guy that you shouted out, though, Aaron Cromer, I was talking to a couple players after the game just kind of about that. Like, what has Aaron Cromer kind of brought to your system, brought to your team? And I think it's a really interesting layer because I know we've both talked to Eric Wood about this, and Eric Wood has said, like, this guy's a genius. Like, he is such a good coach. And I feel like their schemes now might let them be a little bit more creative with the personnel that they have. And I think we've already started to see that with some of the players who were kind of left for dead these last couple of years, who now seem to be trending in the right direction. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to live up the potential that they maybe once had, but still these guys might be able to provide solid depth for the bills. And I feel like you need depth on both lines. That's maybe the most important thing. And I feel like a big reason why those players are trending in the direction is because of Aaron Cromer. And Oh, by the way, the running backs look really good. And I bet he has something to do with that too. Like they're going through Sal. I'm not kidding. Everybody likes to say like, Oh, I could have went through that hole, but on Zach Moss's first touchdown with the blocking from Cody Ford on the right side and and Reggie Gilliam swinging over and like kind of sealing the edge. Zach Moss could have literally walked through that hole. He did not have to run. He did not have to jog. He could have grabbed the ball and walked the two yards into the end zone. Yeah. I mean, you look at the running back stats. I'm going to pull it up for for myself again right now. I was looking at them. I wrote about them overall running the running backs. Blackshear, 58 yards. Johnson, 55. Singletary, 39. Cook, 38. Moss, 19. But here's what jumps out at you. Yards per carry, respectively. 11.6, 6.1, 9.8, 9.5, even 4.8, which was the low mark. I mean, Matt, every time these guys got a carry, they were just breaking off chunk after chunk after chunk. And then, oh, by the way, here comes Gabe Davis just to catch two catches for over 40 yards and a touchdown. Were the was the 4.8 Zach Moss? It was, yeah. And he got and the you know what? Carries. Like, and he had the two ones at the yeah. goal line. So I it's know, almost right? like that would have been higher if he <laughs> didn't right. have those two kind of like leveling the average right. out. So I, I think that. Zach Moss, I was impressed with, and we've talked about it on the pod a lot now. I think Zach Moss is going to have a bigger role on this team than a lot of people think, and I think it's going to kind of be that role. It's going to be like the goal line back and also like the really obvious passing downs when you want somebody who's going to be a really strong blocker in there and you don't plan on having the running back involved. I was also really impressed with James Cook just compared to what we saw in the first game, and that was a very limited sample size, but there's just something about James Cook that's just like, I don't know what it is. I saw Tyler Dunn, our old buddy, was posting about it on social media, and the way he compared it was, he's not saying that James Cook is Alvin Kamara, because that's, you know, we got a long way to go, but he was saying kind of the way he moves looks so effortless, and Kamara also kind of has that vibe to him when you watch him. Like, he's running, and it doesn't look like he's going super fast, but it also looks like he's just kind of getting ready, 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 (laughs) getting ready. He's getting ready. (laughs) His feet wet, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's just getting ready to kind of click it into second gear. So 
I like James Cook. I think we saw a lot from he broke off a 19 yard run. He hit the hole. He got some yards after contact. I think that's what this team needed to see because he is going to be a versatile weapon. I don't think he's going to get a ton of touches because they still really like Singletary. And we were just talking about Moss, but I think he'll make the most of the opportunities that he's given. Yeah, there was one play. It was his longest run, I believe, the 19 yard run where he kind of had a cutback over the left side. Mm-hmm. And there was a move he made out in the open space that he just shook a defender and I was right there it was coming, coming right at me on the field. And it was one of those moves you go, Oh, that's just different. Like guys just don't do that at this level to NFL defenders. And you could see the natural talent right there, by the way, I like Weddy because as you said, <laughs> you could say it because it's like me getting into, I'm not a big water person, like me getting into the water. I kind of tip my toe. I kind of get, and then once I get in, I'm like, all right, I gotta go. I gotta go. Just, just get the shoulders down. Just jump. You just just jump, in. jump. Are you, yeah, right. are you, are you a warm shower guy? Oh yeah, for sure. See, I I am too, but I know there's a lot of people and there's apparently like a lot of health benefits to cold showers. Yeah. So I've started to like try and like ease into it a little bit and it is really hard. It sucks. I'm a warm pool guy too, by the way. Like if the pool is not like 85, I'm, I'm don't even ask me to go in because I don't even love to go in them in the first place. That's like a bath at that point. Yeah. That's what I want, man. That's good. That's what I'm Totally. I feel like I feel like ideal pool temperature on a hot summer day is like 78 degrees. Oh no, the way too way too cold for me, man. Now, see, you're gonna like those cold showers as you as you yeah. keep going there. All right. So Matt and I are gonna do a 53-man roster projection. Let's start with the offense. All right, here we go, Matt Bove. I think this is the moment a lot of people have been waiting for. We we're gonna do this now because I think by the time we get to next week's game, who knows? The Bills could literally, after the Carolina game just make their cuts right away. We don't know when they're going to come. They have to be done by Tuesday, August 30th to get down to 53. They have to be done by uh, Tuesday, August 23rd to get down to 80. They're at 84 by the time, at the time we record this. So when people mm-hmm. hear it, it could be down to, uh, to 80 because they have to get from 84 to 80, but it could already have happened. All right, so let's do this. How about, let's start it this way. Um, I'll give a position and I'll tell you what I have. And you tell me you agree or disagree and you, have, you give me what you have. And then we'll kind of rotate that way in the offense. I would bet that we have a lot of similarities, especially with the first couple positions we're going to talk about. My one question, though, that I want to say before we start this is what are you counting Reggie Gilliam as? Are you counting him as solo a fullback? Or are you counting him as a running back or a tight end? He's a fullback. He's okay. listed as a fullback, so I'm going to count him as a fullback. Okay. And I think Reggie Gilliam's on this team. I think, obviously, we know he is. Oh, for sure. Extension, right? Oh, for right. sure. So, um, to me, it's Allen and Keenum as the two quarterbacks. I think Barkley is in the organization as a practice squad guy. He doesn't make the 53. They don't need him to make the 53. I have the exact same two people. I don't think that's the easiest one to talk about. I don't really think there's that many questions when it comes to that one. I know people were a little concerned about Case Keenum after the first game, but then when we saw what he could do with more of the people he would be playing with in case of emergency. If Allen went down, he looks more than capable of kind of holding down the fort, treading water for this team for a couple of weeks if he needs to. All right. Uh, let me, since that one was easy, I'll go again here and start. I'm going to say, I think they keep four running backs and a fullback five total. And that's because Taiwan Jones is going to be kept for special teams. I think it's Singletary cook and Moss, but I really do like the way Raheem Blackshear has played. I think if this is a team that's in a different spot in their build or in their expectations, Blackshear may actually push someone off the roster like a Zach Moss. Maybe they just say, let's do it. Maybe they just kind of keep an extra guy. I don't see it happening here. I think 
Singletary, Cook, and Moss all have a role. Taiwan Jones, especially on special teams. Yep, I've got the same four. Singletary, Cook, Moss, Jones. I didn't think that that was going to be the case before the summer started. I didn't necessarily know if Moss was going to make the team now. Like I said before, I think he's going to have a bigger role than we think. I think Singletary will be the air quotes number one back, but probably more of a first and second down guy. Moss will be their goal line guy. Cook will be their passing down guy, change of pace, dude. And then Taiwan Jones, they just value him so much on special teams. I don't see a scenario where one of those guys gets cut. The one thing that I would say would be really interesting for the bills is if they could get a bite on a guy like Zach Moss, and maybe right. somebody was going to trade you something for him or even single. T- I don't think that's going to happen, but I would say that really the only guy I think of the group that, they would even entertain the idea for would be Moss. And then maybe Blackshear finds his way onto the 53, but I just really don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be Singletary, Cook, Moss, Jones, and then Gilliam as the fullback. And before we get to wide receiver, I know people, every time we talk about this, they say, well, if you get rid of that guy, you're you're not going to keep him. He's going to not pass through waivers. I mean, maybe that's going to happen with a good roster, but I'll also say most teams in the league just try to get their own guys back because the guys mm-hmm. know the system and they like their guys. They're not looking to replace their own guy with uh, Raheem Blackshear necessarily, right? I mean, so I think a little bit of that is unwarranted, but I'm not saying it can't happen. You know, he's looked good, but most teams in the league... They get rid of their guys. They want to bring their guys back. They don't want to go out and get somebody else to learn a whole new system and bring them in. That That's how they like to treat it. And tread lightly, especially with running backs. Yeah, like he is course. going against third and fourth team players against, you know, it's hard to compare him in the same light to the guys who were playing in the first quarter and the second quarter. If he was doing this against starting defenses, then you're like, whoa. What do we have here? But it feels like legitimately every year we have one of these conversations with the Bills running back. So, I mean, like, look down the memory lane for you here. Antonio Williams is the most recent one. I'm trying to think of, like, other Bills running backs who Bills fans have been really upset. Jonathan Williams. Jonathan. They let go. I think he went He actually to, was on the team on 53 for a while. But, I mean, like, yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, they, they have these guys, most, most notably at wide receiver, like a guy like David Sills or... Duke Williams and guys like that, you know, Des Lewis, Des the people latch onto. So, all right, speaking of that, let's go. You give me your wide receivers first. I have them keeping six wide receivers, and I know that that's okay. And okay, then I bet it's the same. Diggs, Davis, yes, McKenzie, yes, here, yes, Crowder, yes, Hodgins, wrong. You have Kumaro. I have Kumaro, and I also I want to make a distinction here. I have Marquez Stevenson going to IR. Okay. Yeah. I have that's yeah. I kind of implied that situation. But okay. Yes. But, but yeah, I want people to know, like, I think they'd love to have them, but I think they've seen enough out of their root, their group it, that they have to make a decision here. They can do what they did last year. He can make the team and then they have to kind of have somebody do the flip flop thing where you release them and then they come back a day later, but, uh, or you, you got to have guys willing to do that too. So I'm going to have Stevenson on IR. And even if they do it that way, I still have Kumaro over Hodgins. Why do you have Hodgins over Kumaro? Younger, cheaper, more upside. He started to get a little bit more of a special teams role. I think they really value Kumaro in that role. But to me, I've kind of seen what I need to see from Kumaro as an outside boundary threat. I think Hodgins has the higher upside. And I think with that depth that they have, I'm more interested in keeping a player with higher upside than a safer player when we're talking about the sixth wide receiver on the team. 
I have no quarrels with that. I think you could very well be right. I could see the scenario playing out. I actually could even see them keeping both, but I don't think they're going to in this situation. I think Austin is out, Gentry's out, Powell's out. But the reason I have Kumaro is over Hodgins. I just think that at that spot, if you are the last wide receiver on the roster, it is not about what you could do for them at wide receiver. It's not even necessarily about upside. It's about how you can contribute on game day. And the only way you can do that is through special teams. And I think they really like Jake Kumaro for that. So as much as I even believe that Isaiah Hodgins has taken a great step and he's really enabling himself here to try you know, a good push here, I think at the end of the day, I have Jake Kumaro. All right. Tight end is going to be tough. So... There's been a lot of talk about O.J. Howard. I'm just looking at the the contract and thinking, I just can't see them eating as much as they have to eat to do it, even though they probably like both Tommy Sweeney and Quentin Morris. Obviously, Dawson Knox is on the Dawson Knox is on the team, and by the way, we want to send our condolences out to Absolutely. the Knox family. Absolutely. You know, and uh, the team is playing with a heavy heart, obviously, right now. And the uh, the the long live Luke shirts. Those were tremendous, by the way, Matt. That the team was really playing. cool, really cool. Yeah. I mean, we he was one of our first guests. He might have been yeah. our first guest play he might have Isaiah then him player. I don't remember but okay. we listen you know with our job there are times when you've got great relationships with players there's times when you have no relationships with the players besides the conversations you have when they're up at the podium Dawson Knox is salt of the year he that guy is a phenomenal human being and it seems like he has always been so incredibly close to his family from the conversations we've had with him whether there was a microphone there or we were just talking about life so I my condolences my prayers to his family because I cannot imagine what they are going through and I, it really is cool to see Bill's Mafia step up in the way that they have with all of the donations to the punt foundation, which is something that Dawson really cares about. I just, it sucks. You just wish that would have never even had to happen. You know, 22 years old. I, I I just, I am, I'm so it's all, I don't even have the words. It's just terrible. Yeah. Our thoughts are obviously with Dawson Knox. He is going to be the starting tight end for the Buffalo bills. So at the end of the day, I kept Howard and Sweeney and I want to go, I want to tell you about the, the conversation in our radio production meeting before the game that Brandon Bean said, we were talking about this position and he said to us on the radio, the radio crew, he said, it, we, how tough of a decision it's going to be. Right. He said, you know, they all have something different. They all bring something different to the table. It's like, you can go in and kind of pick out which, you know, part of the knife you want to use, right. Something like that. And I look at that and I think about it and I say, well, if that's the case then Howard does have something that others don't. And he also is more cost prohibitive to get rid of. And then he caught the pass in the red zone for the touchdown. And I thought that's what it is. It's he, he still offers a matchup in the red zone. They don't have with Sweeney or Morris. So I'm going to keep him. I'm going to keep, keep Tommy Sweeney because I think they just love Tommy Sweeney and he's always around. He catches everything. And as much as I think they like Quentin Morris and I like Quentin Morris, I don't have him on the roster because I think he's the, the guy that they can get to the practice squad, the easiest and the best without having fear of losing to another team. This is another one where we have a, a difference of opinion. Okay. And I apologize if you just heard my uh, 15 pound cockapoo Harper losing her mind. I didn't hear anything. I would have loved to have heard that. Well, that. I think she's, you know, her bark is certainly bigger than her bite, but I apologize if everybody heard that on the microphone. I have them keeping two tight ends and that's Dawson Knox and OJ Howard. And I had wow. to make, a, I had to make a sacrifice with a position farther down the line because I, I, that's just kind of the way that my roster shaped itself out. I think they love Tommy Sweeney. I know how big of a fan a lot of those guys in the locker room are of Tommy Sweeney. I think this is one of those situations where you cut him, but you can get him to the practice squad. I think he's a very specific fit for the Bills with his skill set, with his personality. 
I think you always are probably looking over your shoulder a little bit now with the Giants because I'm sure Dave's is probably a huge Tommy Sweeney fan. That being said, you can't keep everybody. This is the problem with having such a good team. As I was going to the defense and I was looking at all the players that I have them keeping, I had an extra guy make the roster and I had to take from somewhere. So Tommy Sweeney was my first guy, you know, the last guy out, basically, if this was the NCAA tournament. So I think I'm going to be wrong. I think he's going to make the team. But for my 53-man roster... I have Knox and I have Howard. Uh, you know, and let me let me retract what I said about getting to the practice squad. I agree with you about Tommy Sweeney. You could get him to the practice squad. But my the reason why I kept him is because I'm going to keep three because if I think of what kind of offense they want to run. Do you think, though, by only keeping two, that kind of hinders maybe what we've heard from what Ken Dorsey wants to do in using more two tight end sets? Not really, because I would think those would guys would those guys would be the ones on the field the majority right. of the time anyway. And then if you had an injury to one of them, I'm just banking on the fact that either Sweeney or Morris would be able to go to the practice squad. I don't think there's any situation where both of those guys get claimed by other teams. So that's why I kind of think, well, if you keep two on the 53, you know you'll get one of them to the practice right. squad. And I mean, not for anything, Morris was getting the first team reps with Josh Allen the other day in the preseason game. So I think they like him a lot too. So that's why I'm saying I, I don't know how you make that decision between the two of them. So in this case, you just don't you cut them both and you try and get them both to the practice squad. All right. I like it. That's really, it's a good debate and we're going to see how it shakes out. What do you got on the old line? I got them keeping nine guys. All right. Eight, seven, eight, nine. So do I. I bet let's, this. let's let's say we both have Ike Butker staying on pup. Obviously he's not going to yep. count towards the 53. He'll be a part of the organization and then they'll make the decision when he's healthy. All right, I'm going to go with the starters, and then we'll go to the depth guys. For the okay. starters, Deion Dawkins makes the team. Roger Saffold makes the team. Mitch Morse makes the team. Rick slash Ryan Bates makes the team. And then Spencer Brown makes the team. Now, I know Spencer Brown was also with the second team a little bit in the preseason game. I think this is more of him working back from injury than it Agreed. is that, okay, he's a backup. But I do think Quessenberry for sure makes the team. So right there, there's six guys. 100%. And then who do you have for your next three? Because I bet they're all the exact same. So Greg Manns to me is on the team. He is yep. a he is a uh, very important interior lineman for them. He might be their backup center when it's all said and done. To yep. be quite honest, Here, here's here's the problem that I have. I don't know the extent of Tommy Doyle's injury, right? And and he could very well be put on injured reserve, but he would miss the whole year. I don't know if that's ideal for them, but if that's the case, then that opens up another spot. I'm going to assume. That that's not the case. So I'm going to have Tommy Doyle being kept as one of the guys. Now he could be, Hey, make it, put him on IR. You can't do pup. Cause that's got to be some, something you start on in training camp. I'm going to have them keeping Tommy Doyle. And then it comes down to Cody Ford or Bobby Hart for me for one spot, because I don't see them keeping both. I, I flip back and forth here. I think they really like Bobby Hart. He showed he could play tackle last week, but Cody Ford's their investment. Cody Ford's their draft pick. Bobby Hart's bounced around the league a little bit. I think I'm going to, I'm going to give him Cody Ford here. Although I could see Bobby Hart making the team over, over Cody Ford. So that's the kind of the exact same situation. I have an asterisk next to Tommy Doyle. Yeah. Just because I don't know what's going to happen with him. Yep. If he is going to be healthy enough to play within the first month of the season, then I think he makes the 53-man roster. If he doesn't, then I think both Hart and Ford make the team, and that's the nine that they keep. But I would say the same thing. I would give, if I'm having to pick between both Hart or Ford, I'm going to take Ford, still the younger, homegrown guy. And just a guy who, even though Hart has looked pretty good in the preseason right now as well, I think Ford's 
been impressive. And I think they're going to try and reward their own in that situation. So that's why I would say give the edge to Cody Ford. Okay. And but, um, but we can say, like, we can say Tommy Doyle was in a boot on a scooter yeah, at practice. So, like, I don't know if that's a precautionary thing. I don't know if that's a it's a good sign that we saw him out at practice the last couple of days, but at the same time, that's notable. And Bobby Hart played some tackle in the game. And if he looked good enough, could they say, look, we will, we'll stash him for a year. I mean, it's not ideal, but that's what we'll do. I, this is, this could be some roster gymnastics uh, when it comes to Tommy Doyle. We'll see, but we're in the same boat here. I, I think Bobby Hart has a shot. I think Cody Ford has, it's, it's kind of going to go either way for him. Both of them, him and Bobby Hart. Um, so we'll see how this shakes out. All right. Before we do the defense, we know Tyler Bass is making it. We know Reed Ferguson's making it. <laughs> I'm assuming you have Matt Ariza over Matt Hawk, even though Matt Hawk has now had two tremendous punts, both of them pinning the oppo- the opposition at the 12 yard line, despite us seeing an 82 yard boot the week before from Matt Ariza. It's awfully bold of you to assume that I would pick Matt Ariza instead of Matt Hawk sale. How do you know that? What I- if I would have picked Hawk? I think I'm going by things you've said on the show lately. That's what I'm going by. But hey, by all means, if you think, because I'll be honest, I think it's closer than people think. I, I don't. I don't think it is. Really? I, I I think that Matt Ariza. I think Matt Hawk probably, maybe even by the time this podcast has been posted, that he's no longer on the team. I think <laughs> safe assumption then, if you think I, that. I think that <laughs> they're going to treat this the same way they treated the Hauschka Bass thing. Okay. A couple years ago, where they let the competition linger a little bit. And then with just a little bit of time left, they were like, okay, Tyler Bass has won the job. And the reason I say that, even though Hawk got that punt in the game, Ariza was doing all of the holds. So I think they're still more concerned maybe with the holding than the punts. So the fact that he got all of the holds is a tell to me. So that's why I think that he's going to win the job. So they were, they were scheduled to rotate Ariza Hawk, Ariza or Hawk, Ariza, Hawk, Ariza. And they only punted once. And that's why Hawk got the punt. Right. So the worst thing that happened for the competition itself was that was that Ariza never got a chance to do what Matt Hawk had a chance to do, which is maybe try to pin the opposition down. So to me, this goes another week and they try to get him on the field. He probably gets the first punt to see, hey, let's hopefully we can do it not from our 10-yard line, and maybe he has to pin them down. I do have Matt Ariza making it. I think the holding point is a great point. He's been the only holder. But look, you don't have to evaluate Matt Hawk as a holder. You know, he's really good at it. So you don't put him out there in preseason. You put out Ariza to get every rep possible to evaluate him and make sure he's doing it the right way. Okay, so next up, the defense. All right, so we talked about the offense. No major surprises. It feels like really the only disagreements that Sal and I had, and they weren't even really disagreements, was Tommy Sweeney, whether or not he would make the team, and then the decision of what's going on with Tommy Doyle, what's going on with um, Bobby Hart slash Cody Ford. Oh, and also we had the difference of opinion between Hodgins and Kumaro. Yep. I had Hodgins, you had Kumaro. We'll see how that happens. I think the defense is probably going to be pretty similar. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of disagreements here. Let's start with the defensive ends slash edge rushers. I have five guys making it from that group. My five are Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa. And this is also kind of the depth chart that I'm building in my head. So like Miller one Rousseau Epinesa boogie Basham Shaq Lawson. Yeah. And I agree with that. I think the only surprise for me, maybe to this point, I, 
I do that. I agree that Epinesa might be third on the depth chart. I, it seems to me that AJ, AJ Epinesa is the number three defensive end on this team. I mean, yep. he didn't even play really uh, much. He he was out there a little bit with the starters, I believe, because Von Miller didn't start, and then he was off the field. Uh, Boogie got some time. Shaq Lawson was playing pretty late in the game, so I think they like Shaq. He's going to be on the team, but I, I like the five you have, and I think AJ Epinesa is in a much more secure spot than a lot of people thought he would be at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I think that he has flashed enough this summer that they trust him to be their kind of rotational role, the guy with a little bit of upside. And then I also think they kind of view the same thing for Boogie Basham. He gives them some versatility. And then Shaq Lawson, I think they know what they're going to get. And the interesting thing about Shaq Lawson and about Jordan Phillips, who we're going to talk about in a second, is the last time those guys were in Buffalo, they had arguably their best careers as pros in 2019. And you think about the team now, I know they're a couple years older, but this is a more talented roster than the defense they were a part of in 2019. The coaching staff is the same as far as Leslie Frazier is concerned and Sean McDermott is concerned. Like, I think those guys are going to play important rotational roles for the Bills. I think Shaq Lawson's might be a little bit more secondary, but Jordan Phillips looks like he's going to get a lot of run this year. I agree with that. And Jordan Phillips is a defensive tackle yep. where they added Tim Settle, Daquan Jones to Ed, to Ed Oliver with Ed Oliver, along with Jordan Phillips. To me, that's the only four they're going to keep because Boogie Basham can give you a little versatility. Like you said, like yeah. when you look at the defensive line group, Matt, I think you only need to keep nine because you do have a guy in Boogie Basham who can actually play inside and outside. So defensive tackle, I have Oliver Settle, Jones and Phillips. Yeah, I have the exact same four. Um, really no tough decisions on this one. There have been a couple players who have flashed in the preseason that I think they would like to keep, but I think they'll get those guys to the practice squad. Yeah, Elianco actually had a sack last week. I thought he played really well when he played for the Bills last year. Same with Brandon Bryant. And these guys are good to have in the building. They could be on your practice squad. And you know what? I think they would probably stay there. I mean, if, if they get a chance to go to a 53 somewhere else, you know, why not? They, they would take it, but you have a good shot. How about Prince Amelia? Like, he's, I thought he's had a really nice preseason. He's looked pretty good as well. So, but these are guys I think that they just they can't make the squad given what's ahead of them. Yeah. Elianku is a tough one for me to cut, but there's just not a, there's just not a situation for me where That's he right. beats out one of the other guys or he beats out, you know, I'm assuming next we're going to go to linebacker. Do you think he's the fifth defensive tackle though? Yeah, I do. Me too. Me too. I do. And good for him. Good for him because he's bounced around the league, he, you know, and 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 he got a shot last year when Star was out and I thought he played well and I think he's earned it. Yeah, I do. Um, I think that the point about Boogie Basham is a good point, but we've also talked a lot this summer about how Boogie Basham has transformed himself and he looks yep. leaner. He looks longer. And I feel like maybe that takes away a little bit of his versatility, but it also gives him more of a chance to pop from an edge position. So I think that's a fair trade-off. I think that's probably what they wanted to see. He can still probably slide inside in an absolute pinch if he needs to, but I think they really like the guys and they really like the combinations that they have. I mean, in that first preseason game, Tim Settle jumped off the film and he was doing that not next to Ed Oliver. So I think with those guys out there and with Von Miller, I mean, we still haven't seen Von Miller in action either. Like they could be some, you know, game breakers. Could be a really excellent defensive line. It will be an excellent defensive line. We'll see what it leads to. Linebacker is super interesting. All right, you go ahead. How many are they keeping? So this is where I have, I have six linebackers, which is a lot. Okay. Me too. But okay. Um, but now let's remember, I want to remind everybody, Andre Smith is suspended six games. He will not count on the 53. 
Um, he will be a part of the organization as far as listed on a roster, but it'll be on the su- reserved suspended list. That leaves six. I bet you we have the same six then. I guarantee we do. Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, Terrell Bernard, Tyrell Dotson, Tyler Medikevich, Balen Spector. Yes, and, the, and I will tell you, Spectre might have been the last guy I kept in this whole thing, maybe at yes. least one of them, because I, I just think that as a draft pick, he's looked really good. He's probably put enough on film that they don't want to lose him to another team. We've talked about this before. And, you know, I mean, he can contribute on special teams, which is obviously important for a guy in that position. Spectre was the guy that I had to fit on the roster yeah. instead of Tommy Sweeney. Like, to me, that's where I was like, ooh, teams usually don't keep six linebackers, but you think about the other players that are in that room. I think they like the idea of having Bernard and Specter kind of come up together because they've been doing a lot of work together off to the side. Tremaine Edmonds, obviously entering the last year of his contract. You want to get it's not like Tremaine Edmonds is old by any stretch, but you want to make sure that there's still a bunch of youth in that room. Same thing. Tyler Medikevich, who knows what his role on this team looks like down the road past this season. So I think that he gets the nod just because He's a draft pick this year. It's a position that they've got some question marks at, and I think he does bring them some versatility. Okay. If I may, let's just talk safety first. I think that's a lot easier. We're going to have, we're going to have a nice discussion about corner here. Yep. Um, safety, the listed safeties. There's guys that have played there a little bit lately. Hyde Poyer, Johnson, Hamlin. We go, we good with that Four. That's the four that I've got. Okay. I, so I then think- this is, so this is where the difference is with corner. I have seven. I'm assuming you have six. I do have six, yes. but I'm playing roster gymnastics again. Okay, here's why. Give your seven. I bet, I bet. In fact, there's two things that could happen here because the, there's guys on this list that I think that are, are, are going to be really tough cuts. Uh, why don't you go ahead? Tell, tell me your seven. Tell everybody your seven. You could get, I bet. How about this? This is more fun. I guarantee you could guess the guy who's the seventh corner, and that's the guy who you don't have on your roster. I think you're wrong, and I'll tell you why. You have Cam Lewis, right? I do. I do too. Here's why. This is the difference. I think Tredavious White starts on pop. Okay. See, I, I, I'm not accounting for that. I, I don't think they're going to have Trey start on pop. Okay. So here's the, here's the, the, the dilemma the bills have. Yes. If you put Tredavious White on pop, you get to keep the extra guy, but Tredavious White is not available to you for four weeks. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, this is tough. I know. I, I, I have a hard time with the idea that they keep set, and I get it. We haven't even seen him yet. Okay. Like, I don't think Tredavious White is going to be ready for the first game of the year, but it's still a long way away from week five. Like, I would think that he can get out on the field before then, not on pup. But if they're not, if he's not trending in the right direction, then I guess that's what you do. That that makes your life easier. So we'll peel. I know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. No, but, this- but no, this is the discussion because Matt here. See, I agree with you. He can. The question is how much can he? Is it is it worth it to do that? Because you could just keep him on pup and let him practice and ramp himself up, and then you know wait till he's. 80, 90% instead of saying, yeah, he can get on the field in week three, but what is he on the field in week three? And if he's not going to be the the guy that you can rely on and count on on a day to on a down to down basis, then why do it? And I think that's the dilemma the bills face because the options are basically they, they keep him on pup. And just so everybody is clear on this right now, he counts on the, the overall roster on the 90 man, if you will, if he remains on pup, he does not count. He is stashed away. If he is activated when they do the uh, roster cutdowns to the active roster, 
then he does count, obviously, but they could make him inactive on game day. But now you're using a roster spot. This is the issue. So I'm saying, Matt, I think he could be ready by week two or week three. I just think they slow, slow play it and say, why risk it when we're in this thing for the long haul? What would have to be the game he's ready? If you knew he was ready by a certain game, you would have him on your 53 out of camp. What would be the game for you that would be like, oh, it's worth it? Game six against the Kansas City Chiefs. I, it's tough. I, I don't know. Look I don't the know. First what four games. Be. Rams, we know they have Robinson and Cup. But you know what? I mean, it's actually a team that runs the ball a lot. They're not like world beaters throwing the ball. They have good receivers. Second week, playing the Titans. It's about Derrick Henry, right? I mean, yeah. they have they, they got rid of A.J. Brown. Yeah. Third week, it's Miami Dolphins and Tua. Fourth week, it's the Baltimore Ravens and a team that does not have many outside threats, to be quite honest with you. I think you can get by in those first four weeks with what you've seen from the guys other than Tredavious. So let's then say the other guys, just so everybody knows. So for my seven that I have yeah. listed, sales six, it's the same with just the Tredavious White conversation. My seven are Trey White, Taron Johnson, Kyir Elam, Dane Jackson, Christian Benford, Saran Neal, and Cam Lewis. Now, there's a common theme with some of those bottom guys, Saran, Neal, Cam Lewis, tons of position versatility, tons of flexibility. It gives the Bills options. Saran, Neal is a lock to make this team. Cam Lewis is trending in the right direction. Now, that being said, he's certainly not a lock, especially considering what they decide to do with Tredavious White. But if Tredavious White is unavailable or they start him on pup, then I think Cam Lewis's chances at making it become drastically improved. So I don't really think there's questions with any of the other guys. I think Christian Benford has been a really pleasant surprise. It speaks volumes that in the game on Saturday, they let Dane Jackson and Kyrie Lim do a series together. And then they use Dane Jackson and Christian Benford and had them do a series together. So I really do think that they're trying to give Christian Benford a shot at this, at least at winning a starting job. But even if he doesn't, he's hey, on the team, you're, he's on the team yeah. and he's got a really good chance at getting on the, I mean, who knows? Sal? we were talking about this at practice. I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday. Maybe this is a situation where they like have Dane Jackson Elam and Christian Benford all play to kind of keep their opponents on their toes because you're giving them different looks and different players that they got to try and figure out. Okay. I do think there's another discussion here outside of Tredavious swipe. I want to go back to him in a second. The other discussion is I could see a scenario where Nick McLeod makes this team and maybe over Cam Lewis. And the reason is because they've been trading him at safety since OTAs, since the whole Jordan Poyer thing started percolating and contract stuff and things like that. He is super versatile. He actually did get plucked from the team and went to the Cincinnati Bengals a year ago before they brought him back. Like, we know. Like, this is a guy that can play in the league. Matt, I think there was a... I'm going to little... I'm going to salute this. I'm going to be my... I'm going to be Inspector Capaccio here, okay? I think there was a clue Saturday... They played Cam Lewis at safety. I, I think they want to make sure Cam can also handle that role like they have been with Nick McLeod before saying we're going to keep Cam over Nick McLeod. And if they feel Cam Lewis could play, can do that and just give him that extra little versatility, I think he gets that role. And, and the biggest reason is because, to me, he is the backup nickel. Like and yes, something were to happen to Terry yes. Johnson, it is Cam Lewis. Yeah. And like we've talked about on the podcast several times, like there's an alternate reality where yep. he is the starting nickel 100%. and Taron Johnson is the backup. So I think that Cam Lewis gets the edge for that reason, because he is the primary backup nickel. And because of that, because I noticed the same thing with him getting the shot at safety. To me, that was more of a, 
let's see what you can do in case of an emergency kind yeah. of situation because we know you can handle the backup job as a nickel or even in a real pinch out on the boundary. And I'm going to say this, if either McLeod or Cam, especially Cam, but if McLeod or Cam get waived, I think they're a New York giant within 24 hours. I mean, I just don't see a way, especially Cam Lewis. I mean, Joe Shane would probably drool to get him on his roster. Especially in that secondary, which is pretty banged up as it is. So I, I think that's the case now. Um, and by the way, shout out to Nick McLeod. Six stitches in his face. Huge laceration. Did you see the picture of that thing? Hockey guy, man. Oh, my hockey God. Right? He's a hockey player. That. I mean, that was a deep cut. Not sure what happened. I talked to him after the game about it. He said he didn't. He wasn't sure if he got a cleat. And I said, I think it might have been the face mask that hit him when he got kind of maybe need or something. It was, it was wild, but he came back. That's one tough dude. All these guys are tough, but that was incredible. So here's my question to you. If Tredavious White is on pup, you have him making the roster. Who's the guy on the team that's on the team in his place? Who's the guy you have off? Because you have 53 with Tredavious. Yes. If Tredavious White goes on pup, that gives you, Matt, 52. Who's 53? Tommy Sweeney. Okay. Tommy, Tommy Sweeney. Sweeney. Yeah. Tommy Sweeney was my last person cut. I would have Tommy Sweeney on the team before I would have Jake Kumaro on the team. Given the way that I built the roster, I think that they can get away with six wide receivers. I think that Tommy Sweeney, they really, really like the guy. That's not to say that they don't love Kumaro. They love Kumaro, but I think in a perfect world, they would like to be able to keep at least three tight ends. I mean, come on. Having two is pretty risky. You're really banking on one of those guys getting to the practice squad. I just... <laughs> the one to me was I kept going back to Balen Spector or Tommy Sweeney, and I gave the edge to Balen Spector. I gave the guy, I gave the edge to the younger guy with a little bit more upside. But in this situation, if it is Tre'Davious White starting on pop, which is a very real possibility, then Tommy Sweeney makes it. Then though, you're just kind of kicking the can because then you got another hard problem you got to figure out in four weeks. The the issue I have is if Tre'Davious White does not start on pop, what do I do? Because in that scenario. I would have them keeping seven cornerbacks. You did, right? Yeah. I mean, you and, probably and I, you probably have to it's probably Cam Lewis, right? I guess, but man, I just I don't know. You know, the who, other thing is I would say who this. would you who would you pick? Cam Lewis or Balen Spector? See, I think Balen Spector is the guy that's out for me in this scenario. If okay. if if, if Tredavious White plays, and here's why I'm gonna I'm gonna, I know I've just said, oh, seven corners, seven corners. Again, I don't think he's 100% if he plays. Even if he's on the team, I don't know if he's playing week one. So you got to keep the other six guys, right? Mm -hmm. And then and then you make a decision when when White's healthy. So to me, it comes down to Spectre or Sweeney. And I've, said, already, I've already said, I think they want to keep three tight ends. So I probably go to Bale and Spectre and say, kid, we're, lo we're, we're loving you. We hope to keep you. Terrell Bernard's been awesome as a rookie linebacker. But we got to put you on the practice squad. I, I think that might be what you ultimately say in that scenario. I think there's a better chance you can get Balen Spector to the practice squad than Cam Lewis. Probably right. I agree 100%. Yes, yes, yes. How about this? Let me ask you this question. We haven't dissected every single NFL roster, but just off the cuff, do you think Cam Lewis is one of the top 32 nickel corners in the NFL? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know what? I don't know because the sample size is so small. I don't know if I would go there, but I would say he's in the let's take the 32 and then add 16 for like the primary backups. He's he's in the top 48 and every team's got a spot for one of those guys. So I don't 100%. know if he's one. I don't know if he's good enough to be starting at nickel in every 
on, on any other team, but uh, he's definitely good enough to be a primary backup. And I, I really like Cam Lewis because obviously he's a cool story. He's been around for a while. They trust him. That's a big deal. They also really like when they've got the continuity with their players inside those same position groups and those so in the same room. So yeah, I think that I, I couldn't find it in myself to cut Cam Lewis. I agree with that. Let me throw another name out. In my scenario, if Tredavious White was kept, I still would have him keeping seven corners because he might not be completely healthy. I could see Tommy Doyle maybe then not being the guy and him going on uh, an IR, you know, or in, in some scenario. And to be honest with you, Matt, like I, they could only keep nine offensive linemen. You have to dress eight on game day to trigger the extra guy available. But let's remember, you can elevate guys from the practice squad. And, you know, if you put Tommy Doyle on IR, you know, you stash him away for the year. And then you can always elevate a guy like Bobby Hart or Jacob Capra or, you know, Luke Tenuta, if you want, or something like that. So Tommy Doyle would still be on my radar as per this discussion about Tredavious White. I don't, I have a heart. Tommy Doyle's an interesting one to me because like he played in a play, he played in playoff games for the bills last year. He was active in the, that's what I mean. Like he was active in a playoff game. So clearly they value him and he was a pretty high draft pick just last year. So for the sake of the injury, if it's not a long-term injury, he's going to be on the team. But if it is, if it's, if it's one of those situations where like, okay, he won't be back until the halfway point of the season. Then you do the IR thing and you just are like, Hey, sorry, this is the way it works out. Get healthy rehab. You're still going to be in the room. You'll be back on the team next year. But if he's like, can be back by week four or something, then I think he needs to make the team. He's probably on the team, but what I find interesting about this whole exercise for all the talk about how tough it's going to be, which it is, it's going to be super tough for this organization to get the right 53 because there's so many good players on the bottom end. You and I only have two differences and really one of them is simply born out of what the injury status is to to Tredavious White. You have White on the squad. I have him um, on the pup. You have him on the squad and Tommy Sweeney out because of it. I have Sweeney in because of that. And then we have Kumaron Hodgins flipping. That's it. That's the only difference. The only two we have in the entire 53, Matt. Of the guys who are primarily special teams players. So we're talking about Taiwan Jones, Tyler Medikevich, Jake Kumaro, uh, and pretty much it. Uh, Jaquan Johnson. Jaquan Johnson, but he's also kind of like their first backup at safety. So I sure. think like he's definitely making it of, oh, th- yeah. of those three, Kumaro, Matikavich, and Taiwan Jones. Who is the biggest lock? Uh, Matikavich. More than Taiwan? <sighs> um, I keep thinking of, you know, Taiwan being a gunner. If you're going to, re- here, here's the problem. I think Taiwan is so good at what he does. They love him. Maybe not. Maybe Taiwan too, but it, it, there's more guys who kind of can play that role that you could keep than they could play maybe the Medikevich role, I think, is just a, a demon tackler. You know what I mean? Yeah. If that makes sense? I don't know if that makes sense. It does. It does. I mean, it's li- like like we, like we you said, it's really tough. There's 53, it, and the, you know, the team would never admit this. There's 53 man, 53 people that are going to make the roster. There's like 60 guys that are fighting for these 53 spots. So I think we know the players that are kind of in that range on the bubble. And I think it also speaks volumes that, you know, without having any conversations before we even started this, we had just a couple little tweaks, a couple, like two differences of opinion. 
we're, we're a little bit past what we normally go. This has been fantastic. Enjoyed doing this 53-man roster exercise. Let me give you a, uh, a question, though, before we leave. Nice yep. juicy one. Does Brandon Bean make a trade a, of a for, for or to get rid of a rostered player before cutdowns? No, I don't believe so. I, I don't believe so because the players who I think would be prime candidates for that I don't see the value meeting up with kind of the depth that they have at those particular positions. Like, okay, here's a good example. Is a team giving you a sixth or a seventh round pick for Jake Kumaro? If they are, I'm taking that pick and I'm having Hodgins make the team, but I don't think they're going to trade Cody Ford unless he's going to get cut. I don't think they're going to trade Zach Moss. He was another person we were talking about. And then on defense, there's like nobody. On defense, we're going down these lists. Like, there's really not options for them. Nobody, like, ever the Daryl Johnson thing was such an enigma because they had a relatively deep room at the position. So they could move on from him and know that they weren't kind of eating away at their own depth. So, no, I don't think he makes a trade. I think he'll probably look into it, but I don't think it'll happen. Do you think, unless they're a same, like, unless there's a guy who you know is going to get cut? like Van Roten or something. And you're like, Oh, somebody's going to give you a seventh round pick for him. Like, then you do it. The only guy I could think of, well, there's two guys on defense. I could think of, is it possible because of the, of the preseason and camp that Terrell Bernard has had that Tyrell Dodson could be a guy you shop. What would be the pet? Like, what do you think would be the asking price for Tyrell Dodson? Like a sixth round pick, maybe a seven, but but it's better. It's better than releasing him. I don't think I would do it. Okay. I don't. I think I. I think I keep him, and yep. then honestly, oh. once Andre Smith comes back from yep. suspension, I think he, then you have the decision. But I think I would honestly give the edge to Dotson. And let me go to the other guy we just talked about. Do you think you could get something for Cam Lewis if you ultimately thought you couldn't keep in all those corners? Yes, I do. I do. I, I, don't, I don't think they want to do it. I don't think they're motivated to no, do that. No, I, just, uh, I, no, I, I don't. If, if he's one of the guys, they, the back end though, it might be. It might be a. Mm, let's make a phone call and see. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's always the situation. That's always the dream scenario for the GM is if you're going to have a guy who's not going to make the 53 man roster, just get something for him. And that's what they'll try and do. But I, I, I don't know. I just don't see it happening. All right, Matt, this is fun. We got the Carolina Panthers and the Buffalo bills Friday night. You'll be there. I'll be there. We'll have uh no, reaction. I'm not going. I'm not, not going to Carolina. Not, going no, Carolina. I'm not going. Okay. okay. So I have a very legit reason. At okay. least I think Hello, everybody. it's my grandfather's 95th. Okay. Birthday. All right. Well, happy uh, birthday to grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what's his name? Uh, Richard Beauvais, Richard pride Beauvais. of pride of Elma, New York, Very Elma, nice. East Aurora. They're big South towns. People. I'm a North towns guy. I grew up in the North. I know there's a very real. Yeah, divide. yeah. 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 We always talk about this, but yeah, it's his 95th birthday party. So like, I'm just, ca- I'm like, listen, the starters played already. I always kind of teeter on like, in this situation, what do I do on this one? I was like, that's a preseason game. There better not be starters on that field. I'll let somebody else handle that. You're totally good. Happy birthday to Richard 90th, man. That is no 95. Awesome. Wait, wait, 95. I'm sorry. I thought you said 90, 95. Wow. 95. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Unbelievable. And he play looks, golf? no, he doesn't play golf anymore, but he's the most independent 95-year-old man on the planet. Like, he's Great. he's still legitimately, how ridiculous this is, he drives an hour every Wednesday to go get his favorite Reuben sandwich. He's 95. He gets in the oh, car and drives an hour to go get a Reuben. He, still, he does yoga because he wants to stay flexible. Yeah, and he looks like Bob Barker. That is amazing. 
Yeah, it's okay. wild. Well, you're going to have to, in conjunction with this podcast, sometime this weekend when the Bills are taking on the Panthers, you got to post a picture it, of will. Grandpa Richard. I will. Okay, I will. you got to do that for everybody. For Matt Bove, I'm Sal Capaccio. We kept you a little longer than we usually do on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo, but hope it was well worth it because we're breaking down the Bills and it's getting closer to week one at the Rams. In the meantime, Bills, Panthers, Friday night. We'll talk about it next time on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus